the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What it means to be crucified with Christ. That's the subject of our time today, here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Won't you join us? And again, hello. Welcome to our program today. What does it mean to be crucified with Christ? We understand that Christ was indeed crucified for our sins, but now that we find ourselves in Christ, how is it that we are crucified with him? What does all that mean? Well, that's the subject of our time today as our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, returns us to the book of Galatians and our series, The Gospel Brings Freedom. Apostle Paul is pretty emphatic on the point that this gospel freedom is indeed true freedom, no strings attached. With more, here's Pastor Phil Howard. The declaration of God, it's a courtroom term, so you hear language like it's forensic. Uh, Some of you watch uh, CSI on TV, forensic evidence. It's a courtroom term in which you come before a judge, and the judge either says guilty, thus condemned, or not guilty, we declare you right in the sight of the court. That means the judge has a certain set of standards, and it came from that original word to measure something, dike, and it meant to just measure, have norms, have boundaries. And he says, you pass all the standards of the court to be declared to be right in the sight of the court. I declare you to be right. Justified means the judge pass a sentence on you. I declare you to be right. Well, how can he ever declare you to be right? I thought we were sinners. We are through and through. All we have gone astray. Romans 3, 14 counts. No one seeks God. Our mouths are filthy. Our feet are swift to shed blood. The way of peace we've not known. No one has ever sought God. And he just quotes from the Psalms, one indictment after another, so that the whole world, Jew and Gentile, may be guilty before God. But, God has revealed a righteousness that is not based on works, but a righteousness, and that word in your righteousness, a justifying, a declaring to be right, that comes through nothing other than faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what he says. Watch. We can be declared righteous or justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So what does this mean? I come before the judge. I'm guilty of all these crimes. Now, I want to leave the court and you declare me right. How can you do this? Well, the way he does it is he had a substitute take the crime and pay for the crime. 
And that is the explanation for the death of the judge's son, Jesus Christ. He took the crime and he paid for it. So number one, in the eyes of the court, he forgives all the wrong we've done. But before you leave the court, he does something else. He says, now that you put faith in my son, I'm going to so identify you with my son that in one swoop, I'm going to do something. I'm going to transfer my son's righteousness to you. I made my son to be your sin. That takes care of your guilt and grants you forgiveness. But that's just negative. I got rid of what's negative about you. But you're still naked before me unless I clothe you. So now I'm going to impute. Now get that word. Impute. Romans 4. Put to your charge. Put to your credit a righteousness not of your own, but the righteousness of my very son himself, so that I can say, you are righteous in the eyes of the court, for I see the righteousness of my son to your account. That's the gospel. Second Corinthians 5.21. For God made him, the son, to be sin for us, the one who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.30, for to us Christ has become redemption, salvation, and righteousness. Christ is my righteousness. We used to sing a song here. Uh, it went this way. We have come into this place to magnify his name and worship him. We have come into this place to magnify his his name and worship him. Then the second stanza, he is all my righteousness. I stand complete in him and worship him. He is all my righteousness. I stand complete in him and worship him. Wait, wait, wait. If he is all your righteousness, what else do you need? You think you're going to do a few little good works over here to doctor up the case? No. God declares you to be right in the court when you have put faith in his son, Jesus. The righteousness of his son is transferred to you, and God can treat you as he treats his son. Not condemned in the eyes of the court. You're right. This is what it means. To be justified by faith alone. Now, you must know the great battle that happened with uh, Martin Luther and the Roman church was this. Uh, Luther said if anyone could have earned heaven by being a good monk, he would have. I believe he fasted around three times a week. He slept on a plywood plank that was uh, just at a a slant. Uh, He was an Augustinian monk. Uh, he went into the uh, uh, ministry because he, had, he was struck off his horse by lightning, kind of like Paul. And in a lightning storm, was scared to death. And he prayed out to St. Anne, if you'll spare my life, she's believed to be a saint, if you spare my life, I'll go into the ministry. Luther's father was totally upset because Luther was headed to be a lawyer. And his dad wanted to be a lawyer and take care of him in his old age. And uh, he winds up going into the Augustinian order. Well, when he gets there, uh, he becomes a university professor. 
And he's teaching Pauline epistles and uh, theology, Latin, you know, all of those great disciplines of that time. And uh, he began to wonder. Uh, he said when he used to read Romans 1 that... Uh, the gospel, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed. He said, it tortured me, that very phrase, the righteousness of God. Because what he'd understood it to mean was the righteous requirements of God. And he said, Romans 1.16 became like chains to his soul. He, he resented it. He resented it. How can I do any more? And I still feel like a dirty monk. I still feel dirty. I can't do enough. I can't do enough. I can't do enough. And one day he was studying Romans uh, on this. And Galatians and Romans were his favorite epistles. And he read a, a commentary by Augustine in the third century that said the righteousness there is not God's righteous requirements, but the righteousness he offers in the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For in the gospel is a righteousness from God to all who believe. Not a righteous requirement, a righteousness as a gift. I offer you the righteousness you cannot attain as a gift if you just believe the gospel. He said when that broke through to him, he said it became a stairway to paradise to him. Romans 1, 16 through 18. That the just shall live by faith. And as he was crawling on one of the basilica stairways in Rome, when he made a visit there, it rung through his heart. I can never be right with God by crawling on steps. I can never be right with God by the Augustinian order and all of the rules I'm going through. Because Rome said this, to say that a man is righteous without being righteous inherently is a legal fiction. Otherwise, to come up and just say, God says, you're righteous. Wait, wait, wait. I must be righteous for you to declare me righteous. Right? I've got to be righteous to ever be declared righteous. Wait a minute. So Rome and the reformers got into a fight. And it was over two words. Infused righteousness or imputed righteousness. What's the difference? Infused means God does something inside of you. He makes you righteous inside. He gives you all these righteous uh, things that you enables you to do. And they would say it's by grace. But something changes in you so that you are now right, right. Reformers said, no, no, no. The righteousness we get is not infused in us. It's an alien righteousness. It's outside of me. It's a gift righteousness he puts to my account. So that I came in as a sinner. I leave out as a sinner. But something's changed. My status before God is I now stand before him right on the basis of a gift righteousness put to my account. So we say... The righteousness of Christ is imputed. There's a battle going on now in theological circles. It's coming out of England and N.T. Wright. And others are saying this kind of a heresy. What's imputed to you for righteousness is your faith. That he makes your faith the righteousness imputed. No, no, no. Faith is the empty hand that gets a righteousness outside of its faith. 
It receives the righteousness of Christ received by faith alone. Now, no one can be just or be declared right before God on the basis of law works. Two, one can be declared right before God by simply putting their trust in Christ Jesus alone. And if you will take him alone, God will declare you to be in the right forever. Now, we come to some very difficult verses. Verses 17 through 19. And Jim, Kyle, don't come up to you because I'll smack you. Don't, you don't know these verses like I do. I've looked at them all week. He's my critic. He comes up every week saying if I get it right or not. These are tough verses. Real tough. They're hard to interpret. And um, I, um, I have to read to you. You know, if I study and sweat, you've got to hear what I studied, right? You know, I think, oh, I don't want to hear this. Too bad. I've been sweating all week over that, those two verses alone. 16 is very easy. But 17 says, if while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners. Does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. Let me uh, give you what the best argument I think I heard on it. If you want to read Galatians by John Stott, by James Boyce, I'll give you 10 other authors if you want to read them. Uh, this is because everybody admits there's about, there's so many views on the verses, I can't give them all to you. But it seems to be in the context what he's saying is that he's refuting an error of what they're saying about this teaching. If a man is justified before God by faith alone, and he doesn't have to observe law works, and he doesn't have to observe any certain rules that you can impose on him, won't he become lawless? Won't he want to sin more? Come on, you gotta, there's something you got to do. And let me state it. This is how the argument stated. Your doctrine of justification by faith is dangerous, Paul. For by eliminating the law, you're eliminating a man's sense of moral responsibility. If you can be accounted righteous before God by faith alone, plus no works, where's the standard of morality we will live by? Where are the, where are the Christian standards for conduct? Your doctrine is dangerous. And what he's really saying is, this doctrine of justification by faith, it doesn't make us greater sinners, because they're calling Paul a greater sinner. You say you're justified by faith, you don't observe the Mosaic law, you're a greater sinner than you ever were. He said, oh, no, no. Justification by faith alone does not produce lawlessness in those who are justified. And then he goes on to say, I'll tell you how I can be a great lawbreaker. If I go back and rebuild the theology I took apart when God showed me Christ alone is enough, if I go back and put the converts under the law and put them under a work system to make them really have a status before God, 
I will promote sin. Christ would be promoting sin. And God forbid that he would ever save us to make us lawless. Christ is now promoting what we call theologically antinomian, anti-law, rebellious. uh, I do as I please. And this is the common attack. He said the same argument. The reason we argue for this position is Romans 6 to 8 takes up the same argument. Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Well, you just taught us justification by faith. Yeah, but what about sin? Does this doctrine not say go ahead and sin all you want because you've been given a status of righteousness so it doesn't matter how you live. You don't even have to keep the Mosaic law. And those who are concerned about ethics and concerned about morality, they get afraid of a doctrine that we tell the sinner, what do I do? What, what, what do I have to do to be saved? I'm strung out. I'm this, this sin, I'm doing that sin. All you've got to do is believe in Christ. And it doesn't matter how I live. Is that what this says? That's not the issue right now. You must exercise faith in Christ, and we offer you no other terms right now. Christ alone is all you must do. And they're thinking, the argument is going back. Some say, no, you're saying Christ fosters sin. This method of justification to be declared righteous on Christ, he is really propagating loose living among us. He said, absolutely not. He's not saying that. By the way, I died to everything the law has asked me to do. The law no longer has any reign over me. Let me say some things here. Grace and to declare righteous before God through no good works of our own. Does it promote sin? Does it promote sin? I was teaching at a small Bible college. I never knew what the word justification meant until my second year of college. And Dean Moore in Elsa Brandy was the president of a small Bible institute, and I went to it, and I took his Romans class. He made us do eight papers in Romans, and one was on justification. And um, I've never been the same. You know, there's a lot of preachers out. I have to say this. And, and you know, sometimes even the staff get me, man, you expect everybody to know what propitiation means and what justification means and election and sanctification and adoption. Yeah, I do. Because I was living in a fog, saved, enjoying God, but my whole world just... Open up, but I started understanding great biblical terms and their meanings. It, it was like a, a, a second rebirth in me at this little Bible institute with about 40 students. And when I'm looking at the Greek text and, and I'm saying, just you wait, wait, declared righteous. And I had to memorize this definition justification is that judicial act of God whereby he declares a hell deserving sinner to be righteous based upon the imputed righteousness of Christ. I memorized that in 1965. Just like that. 
That judicial act of God whereby he declares a hell-deserving sinner to be righteous based upon the imputed merits of Christ. That is fabulous. I could shout over that for a month. And you've got that glazed look on your face. Like, what's he talking about? Is this important to my marriage? I care less about your marriage until you find out where you're going to spend eternity. You better first of all know, am I, am I right with God? Wouldn't you think that's the greatest theological question you need to have answered? Am I right with God and will I go to heaven when I die? Or is there something left I must do? I don't feel complete. But I remember as I began to uh, get into these truths and learn this. And, uh, and then of all things, when I was at this small Bible college, I, I was teaching the book of Romans. And it, it's like God would never let me get away from it. And it's it just like, he just, and because I grew up thinking I could lose my salvation. I thought I lost it several times. And, and one time I thought I lost it for six months and then I got saved again. And uh, so many of my family had felt like they'd lost it. My sister Hazel lost her salvation. She'd started wearing lipstick. And uh, let's see, uh, what else? Uh, you know, big things, big sins. We were notorious. Uh, uh, my sister Ruth would come into church, and she was backslid, and she's back there now with her husband. Uh, uh, Naomi Ruth. My dad wanted to get it right, so he Naomi Ruth. And then, uh, you know, I knew so many backslidden people. We were always, it seemed like we spent as much time trying to stay saved as it took to get saved. It was easy to get saved. It was hard to stay saved. You don't know what I'm talking about unless you've been around it. And so I always just, and, and all of a sudden, it just like hit me one day. What did I do to get saved? Did I promise God I'd be sinless? Did I promise God I'd, get, I'd become perfect? Did I promise God, bring on the rules, give them to me. Well, which one do you want me to keep? Well, Ten Commandments would be a good place. And I love Paul. He got through all nine. And he said, the tenth one slew him. Thou shalt not covet. So that one to slay all of us. You can't lust after anything. You can't even want more money, more power, another wife, another donkey, another promotion. Don't covet anything. That'll slay everybody. And that's when you don't even act out. You just kind of keep smiling. You don't know I'm coveting, do you? Right now I'm wanting everything you got. <laughs> and I look clean. I haven't done a thing, but I want what you got. Said Paul said, that's the one that slew him in Romans 7. I got through all nine. But when he said, thou shalt not covet, all kinds of coveting broke out in me. You can't keep the law. And so I thought, I, I had, when I was being disciplined by some men in love, trying to warn me, that what their big fear was, this teaching will lead to lawlessness. This teaching, what rules are you going to live by, son? Well, I, I'm saved by grace. I'm saved by faith. Yeah, but come on, there's got to be more than that. Well, it says here, I'm saved by grace. I'm through faith plus nothing. Come on, what else do you promise? Well, I, I, uh, you're going to be lawless. You're going to be loose. You, you, you're just throwing away all the rules you grew up with. As though the Christian life needs rules to be lived successfully. 
And with that, we come to the end of our time today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. If you have questions or comments about the broadcast, maybe you would like to hear the program again. We have a couple of ways that you can reach us. The easiest, of course, is our phone number, 855-833-9864. If you would rather visit our website and work through the website, you can do so, truthfortodayradio.org. A lot of resource materials available there. Besides our podcasts, you'll also take advantage of the many other resources, books, and materials. It's all at truthfortodayradio.org. You can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, 94547 is our zip code. And as we conclude our time today, we would invite you to link arms with us financially and prayerfully. These programs come to you on a daily basis, and even our extended resource materials found at our website are available as you link arms with us, partnering with us financially and prayerfully. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Please consider how you might come alongside and partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the greater Bay Area. We'd love to hear from you. Here's that phone number once again, 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And our website, you can securely give a donation there as well, truthfortodayradio.org. And then we would also invite you to join us for worship. If you're not involved in a fellowship near you, consider this an official invitation to join us here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. For directions and information, you can visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, call 855-833-9864. And then would you please mention that you were invited by the radio broadcast to one of our ushers. It would mean a great deal to us. Whether you visit us in person or simply stop by our website or listen to us here on the radio, we hope to see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.